I remember those moments where basically where we were doing battle on the court is what opened up our hearts to be able to say, hey, let's talk about life. I think that in many ways, in my experience, for you to gain that level of trust and respect, you got to go through something with them. Your point about those battles on the court and like some of the hardship that we went through in our youth, I'm saying like we came up in a really challenging neighborhood, right? To, to put it mildly, right? Like we came yes, up- sir. <laughs> You know what I mean? And to go through some of those experiences with your brothers, right? With your community, you you create, you know, this level of trust and love to where, you know, stuff that I might not be receptive to from someone I didn't know, you know, spoke right to my heart. Welcome everybody to the Valley of the Road podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Today we are going to have a uh, wonderful conversation, I'm believing, with a son of mine, BJ. We go way back. Back in the days where I, I could actually cross somebody a little bit. Um, now these knees do not, not allow me to anymore. <laughs> but uh, uh, a really, really dope person, warm personality, an amazing, uh, just heartfelt person from the times that I've been able to chop it with him. I'm glad to be able to reconnect with him. And I'm glad that you, be, you are going to be able to connect with him and his voice. And so today we're just going to jump into the conversation. We have a specific um, topic that we're going to be uh, talking about. And yeah, you know, we're going to jump right in. BJ, you want to share a little bit about how how it kind of led to us uh, being on this episode today? Yeah, appreciate the intro. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you still got a little juice, so don't don't sell yourself for it. I can do a couple post moves. I can do a <laughs> so, so yeah, we might have to uh, uh, hit the courts afterwards. But um, absolutely, first and foremost, just a uh, you know major props and and praise for the podcast. I mean, I've been following you for a few months. Um, you know, and and for me, it's it's spoken to me in a lot of different ways at different moments in my life. And um, the, the piece that you posted maybe two or three weeks ago about mentorship really spoke out to me. Um, so we've come a long way since our days back home in Jersey. So, you know, now in my almost 10th year as an educator, mentorship has been really powerful and instrumental in my career. And, you know, you, you made a comment about, you know, how uh, you don't necessarily need mentorship and and you know, as much as I'm excited to be here, I wanted to push back on that a little bit because, you know, my stance is that you absolutely need mentorship and purpose, right? Okay. One without the other only gets you halfway. Yes, sir. Uh, for me, that was the segment that really spoke to me in my heart, especially in this season of my life as I mature as an educator and a school leader. Bro, and I think that this is awesome. In a minute, I'm going to be uh, playing the clip for everybody to just um, he, you'll be able to see it if you're on YouTube or if you're on a podcast platform, you'll be able to hear it anyway. And um, if not, there's a you can just uh, DM me on Instagram. I can send you the reel if you want to see it. But either way, you'll be able to hear it. And um, uh, well, you know what? Let's just jump it. Let's just do that right now. See, oh. ball. I'll just, I'm going to get this. There we go. All right. Let's make sure this unmuted. And I'm going to play that. I, I hope that the audio comes through because I did not test it. All right, one more time just in case you didn't hear it. Hey, 
world. So I think that, um, why I want to hear where your heart is, because I think that, um, first of all, a lot of people would, would just like balk at the idea of having somebody on their podcast or whatever the case may be to offer pushback, but, um, let's have a conversation, bro. Share with me your heart. Um, and I think that people through listening to that can, can gain a lot from that. Also, I think that before we even get into anything, I think it's important for everybody to remember that as we pursue Jesus, we don't know it all. Yeah. One, two, um, we have to hold ideas that are our own loosely, right? And be able to add to them, right? So I approach it with that subject, um, with that mindset, I should say, where I want to hear where you're coming from and I hope that people will benefit from that. So let's jump right into it, bro. Talk to me. Wow, man. You, you, you just lit a fire. So I mean, I'm thinking now about the comment about not knowing everything, right? And allowing Christ to lead us both spiritually and mentally. You know, I think sometimes folks get caught up when you say, oh, I was moved to do something that they just think is just heart. It's also head, right? So on the topic of mentorship, I can tell you right now, you know, early in my career as a teacher or as a school leader, you know, in my youth, even coming up through college, if you told me, yo, man, like, find yourself a solid mentor, I'm waving you off, right? Like, I'm good. Like, I'm gonna find it on my own. If not, we got everybody has a phone, everybody has Google, like, I'm cool. And it really wasn't until, you know, going through certain challenges and obstacles, both professionally and personally, that I realized the importance of, you know, leaning on someone, right? And finding someone who you can trust and, you know, engaging someone who has maybe walked a similar path (laughs) to provide advice and guidance. You know, the piece though, that I think sometimes people struggle with is that, you know, not, not every partnership that you start, not every mentorship opportunity is going to be successful, is going to be the one for you. So when I first heard the clip or the reel that you just shared, I was like, okay, I think I understand where he's coming from in terms of, you know, you you can go and, and solicit advice and guidance and support, but if you don't have your own direction, if you don't have your own path or purpose, again, it, it doesn't really, you know, get you where you need to, to go and doesn't really add that momentum that you need in your life to, to pursue those goals. Um, so I know, you know, I guess to, to make it personal for me, at the start of my career, especially as a black educator, my focus really was, you know, providing an opportunity for students who look like me to finally have a black male teacher, right? Uh-huh. I didn't have my my first black male teacher until like my second year of college, right? So you're talking about a lot of years of schooling, you know, mostly in, in mixed, you know, racial ethnic backgrounds, but for a majority of it, um, you know, predominantly white spaces. Well, and, uh, for me, it was really challenging finding that purpose and that why, you know, like what's my calling, what's my vocation. Um, and a lot of ways it goes back to, you know, our upbringing um, in youth ministry, right? Well, uh-huh. Bridge and Pastor Harold and, and, and everybody from back home, you know, like for me, that community offered a sort of mentorship, even if I didn't know it was mentorship, right? Absolutely. 
Yeah. Even if I didn't realize in that moment, people had their hand on my shoulder, like, nah, maybe go this way or try this or have you considered it didn't register yet because I didn't have that purpose. I didn't know where I was going, even uh-huh. though I was receiving that mentorship. You feel me? Yeah. So to be at a stage now, and again, to quote you again, like, I don't know it all. I don't claim to know everything, but to know what I do know and to be confident in that mentorship is important because you you have an opportunity as someone who has gone through certain things and experiences to share that knowledge and wisdom. Right. I know um, everyone has their own God given talents and everyone has their own opportunities to engage their community. Pardon that scratching. It's my cat at the door. If you hear that. Uh, Yeah, I tried to give him a little toy to play with, but um, it's 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 mentorship offers an opportunity to, again, you know, be be stewards and shepherds for our community. Right. Um, But that falls short if the people that you are mentoring or the mentorship that you're not receiving, the mentorship that you're receiving doesn't have purpose or drive behind it. Uh, and for me, that's that's really the focus that I want to talk about now is, you know, how how does one identify that purpose and how do you, you know, leverage those God given talents to the benefit of your community, not just yourself? Yeah, absolutely, bro. That's I think that's the key right there. How do you leverage those God given gifts and opportunities, not just for yourself, but for other people, especially for people like you and I who are one, you know, growing up, uh, growing up being for lack of a better way of saying it, into it, uh, being minority men, minority men of purpose who believe that they were put into this world for a reason. Like you and I, we're not the type to just go to work every day, live our life, have some dinner, go to sleep, and be okay with that, right? I'm sure you're the type of person that really wants to leave a mark, which is why you're thinking about things such as I want to provide the opportunity to a young black man, young black boy, to look up at his teacher and see himself. Not just to look up at his teacher and see himself, but also at the same time to see somebody looking back at him saying, you can do what you believe you want to do. And it doesn't have to be the NBA. It doesn't have to be the NFL. Great if that's your dream, right? Because that was my dream. That was what I attached to, right? But after a while, I realized, hey, I'm five, nine and a half. <laughs> and, um, and I'm actually not that dedicated. I enjoy basketball. Um, I go as far as saying that to a degree, I love it, but I'm not, I'm not Kobe. You know what I'm saying? Kobe was out there putting in that work because he, this was his God-given passion, God-given uh, um, goal. And so he he got there. But we have a lot of youth nowadays where they're looking, all youth are looking something to attach their hearts to. And if they look up and all they see is black and brown men as athletes, and then they go and they try out the sport and they enjoy it, and they realize that they're good at it. No wonder they're aspiring to be those things. So first of all, I just want to commend you for stepping into a role that not only suits you, right, but helps other uh, young black and brown men to look at you and see, 
oh, maybe there's something else that might suit me as well, mm. right? You serve as an example um, to those young people to think different. And that within itself is already living for others. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Amen. And so when we come as Christians, um, using our gift set, you, you know, the, we, we talk about the fact that your gift will make room for you, but when you're doing it really well, your gift will make room for others. Mm. Your gift will make room for others to be able to feel emboldened enough and to believe enough to step into the role, the God-given role that they have themselves. And so to share a little bit about what was going through my mind as I made this real, for me, um, I also valued the mentorship. I always have um, in many ways in, in, the, in the idea of mentoring others, but also in the idea of desperately wanting to have a mentor myself. And so growing up, as a 15-year-old kid, I wasn't necessarily the kid that would have said, if somebody came up to me, hey, um, I really want to mentor you, would have weighed them off. I actually would have invited them in. And what I saw was that instead of adults looking, typically not all of them, because I've, I've taken time to think about this, but typically there were a lot of adults who instead of looking at me and seeing Bali, they saw a specific path that I was going down. I will never forget in eighth grade walking um, up the steps in my school and the steps uh, had, um, you could go up the steps and then there was also like this open area that was on the side where it was like a cliff, I guess, of sorts, right? Where you could, you could basically, it was all open. So you could, if somebody was all the way up at the third floor, and even if you were on the first floor, you could hear them because their voice would carry down right. a little open area. So I was walking up the steps one day and um, I heard two teachers talking about me. I don't know who they were. I actually couldn't recognize the voices. They might not have even been my teacher, but they were adult, two adult women. And I heard them say, just saying, talking about me and saying like, yeah. Um, I wonder how many girls he's going to get pregnant in high school. I remember, and so my my love language is words of affirmation. So sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Does not apply to me. <laughs> like words, I'd rather you hit me, dog. Like <laughs> just just hit me. like I'll get over that. Words, man, they get in my spirit real heavy, and so. Man, I, I remember stopping on the steps and feeling broken. Even though I didn't, I knew that wasn't true. Man, I was in eighth grade. I was a virgin. I had just had my first girlfriend. Um, I wasn't even thinking about that, you know? And so, and the exact opposite happened. Um. I made it to marriage without getting any girls pregnant, which I don't know if that's like the biggest feat in the world of what they thought was going to happen didn't happen. And so um, that serves as just one example of like adults um, just looking at me and not seeing much. And I think that there's a lot of youth who uh, probably do want to mentor 
And yet we don't have, especially in the hood, we don't have enough people like Harold, like uh, Pastor Carlos, the, these titans of Elizabeth. And then the ones that uh, came after them in the bridge with uh, Jesu and, and Raul, yes. like some of the most golden dudes that I know, bro, like solid, you know what I'm saying? Like, but they, you guys all came up that way because of who came before you. Right. So the legacy continues because of the outpouring that those men gave into young men where whenever I hear like Raul's story, for example, and actually um, we had our episode with Raul, if you guys didn't catch that one, make sure you catch that one. Um, like Raul was pulled off of the streets and we need people like that. So I'm speaking more to the people who desperately want mentors and can't find anybody that believes in them. And I'm telling those people that if God believes in you, you need to believe in yourself. Amen. And so it's, it becomes more like a both end where we have to be able to um, believe what God says about us. And then if we have the wonderful opportunity of having a mentor in our life, taking that. Um, and I think that that, you know, I feel like our hearts are on the same wavelength about that, especially when it comes to, like, I'm really moved by what you're saying about how you want to be able to be that for young men. What do you think uh, you would say to a young man or, you know what, actually, let's flip that on its head. What do you think you would say to men like us who maybe feel like they don't have anything to give? What would you say to them? I would say that there's always something, right? And I'm, I'm grateful for that question because that was the next point I wanted to lead into since, you know, if, if you're speaking to the audience of folks seeking mentorship, I'm challenging people like us, you know, who, who've come along in life a little bit to, to get out of your comfort zone, right? Like you, you would be surprised how much those words of affirmation, how much just your time can impact a young person. You know, I want to, I want to honor the story that you shared with one of my own, um, thinking back way back when to the circle, right? Like a lot, a lot of our stories start with basketball or around food or something to that effect. And I remember, um, Raul and Steve and Hector, like all my brothers from back home in Elizabeth, like, at, like in the mix of basketball, because I think they realized, you know, they couldn't come at me too heavy handed with some of the religious stuff because I was resistant. I was like, nah, that's not cool. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah. But they, they found a way to reach me through my love of basketball, right? They yeah. found a way to, to use those pickup games or whatever as fellowship, right? Because in the mix of all this competition and back and forth and you know, uh, uh, gameplay, you know, they would remind me like, yo, man, like, like you have gifts to provide, right? Like, you know, I was a great pass. Like, like you, you, you can serve in other ways beyond just the court. And it didn't really register until I got into, you know, my version of youth ministry, which is, um, education and coaching. Right. And I remember fast forward a few years, you know, leading my, my first little day camp at the YMCA, and and having a young person not it pains me i forget his name just like you know hey coach bart that's what they called me hey coach bart like like you made a difference like you helped me dude and and i'm telling you right now brother eric like 
from that moment on, I, I took my role seriously, right? Like whenever I was around not only my peers, but especially younger people to be mindful of how I'm carrying myself because exactly what you said, setting an example and providing mentorship in just your actions. I think sometimes folks who feel moved or called to be mentors get a little intimidated by the time commitment or, you know, I'm not eligible on a subject or blah, blah, blah. Or like, you know, I, 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 I'm not a saint. So like, what are people going to look at me for? You have to understand that if, if your heart is, is calling you and moving you to, to, to go into acts of service, listen to it. You never know how just that little bit of time, energy, and effort could make such a huge impact, right? Like we, we could talk about professional mentorship, like sit down meetings and like strategy planning. We can talk about all of that, sure. But I think that the real heart of it is lighting that fire in someone else and helping them find their purpose the way you found yours. And yeah. I think, you know, for, for men like us in this stage in our lives, um, it's really important to engage in that work because I've learned as much about me as I've had about my mentees and those that I've worked with. Bro, and it's like you discover new facets of yourself through serving others and connecting with others. You, God gives you the gift of discovering things about yourself you would never discover on your own. And when you're just living for yourself. Right, because that that young person saying to you, you made a difference. He's the one that chose to say it, but there's probably 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 other ones who thought it, but just never said it. Right? And it's crazy to me that because we live in our own head, we can psych ourselves out of things that God actually wants to be a portion of our life, right? Where I'm thinking of what you were saying to that person where you're like psyching yourself out and saying, I don't know what I have to give. I don't know if I have the time to commit to this. Um, I'm not good enough or holy enough, or I'm not uh, uh, upstanding enough. What do I have to give to a person? And I say to that person, the thing that you have to give is your time and your interest, right? Nobody's telling you out here if you're some uh, random uh, dude who grew up in the suburbs and never picked up a basketball in your life to go coach uh, a basketball team in your nearest city because those kids are going to gobble you up. Mm. <laughs> you right. got built a certain way to coach right. inner city kids basketball. You know what I'm saying? Like they have to, I, and I've learned because I coached before and it was hard because if you can't get their respect, their love, your love is going to go right above their heads. Right. And so that, that might, that all that means is that you have to stay in the lane that God created for you. The easiest way that you can pursue that and give back is to take your time and your interest and dedicate it to a person, right? Um, if your interest is fishing, what's wrong with fishing? Right. Why can't you fish? Why can't you teach a young person to fish? 
or uh, maybe it doesn't even have to be a young person. Maybe it's just somebody that needs your time and your mentorship and your love. And in those moments, you'll see that that person is not only able to connect with you, they'll also be able to connect with God. I think it's crazy, bro, that you said um, that in those moments on the court, that was what led you to Jesus. Amen. That's what led you to God. The fact that in between games, where I remember, we used to all go at it. Yes, sir. Hours, bro. Sweating. Steve with his large uh, gallons that he would bring <laughs> just for himself, but ends up having to share with everybody because <laughs> it was a water. <laughs> in the middle of the sun, the circle, at the YMCA, at whatever random gym opened up for us because we had them $20 to pay for a membership monthly. Like, didn't matter. We was ready to rock anywhere. And I remember those moments in between games. I remember us uh, praying for each other. Amen. I remember those moments where basically where we were doing battle on the court is what opened up our hearts to be able to say, hey, let's talk about life. And and I don't want to cut you off, but I, I want to jump on that point very quickly because I think that in many ways, and again, for those out there listening, like we're speaking on our background. So again, you know, some of these references to inner city youth may not necessarily wow. apply, but understand that in my experience, for you to gain that level of trust and respect, you got to go through something with them. You feel yeah. And your point about those battles on the court and like some of the hardship that we went through in our youth, I'm saying like we came up in a really challenging neighborhood, right? To, to put it mildly, right? Like we came yes, up. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know what I mean? And to go through some of those experiences with your brothers, right, with your community, you you create, you know, this level of trust and love to where, you know, stuff that I might not be receptive to from someone I didn't know, you know, spoke right to my heart uh -huh. in our little community. And um, yeah. I mean, sure, it started with basketball and like, you know, praying for each other in between games or like, you know, something that at first struck me as weird, but became practice was telling everybody, I love you when I leave. You know yes. Like, bro, that's huge, bro. I still go through that now where I'll tell like uh, a, a new, uh, a guy friend that I have, even from church, I just be like, yo, I love you, bro. And they'll look at me like, yeah. Am I supposed to say, I love you back? I remember, I remember your face once, one of the first times I think you were like, Man, get out of here, bro. Yeah. What you talking about? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a foreign concept because I think when we think about leadership, right, um, there often is, or at least in my experience, this image that comes up as like this soldier, like strong man up front. That that could be just one example. Like I think what yeah. we're talking about is leading with love, leading with purpose, leading in, in a, a Christ-centered way. So that you're not just leading, but you're you're guiding. You know what I mean? And I think there's a difference. Like leading, you can lead just as a dictator, right? Everybody's going to follow you because they have no choice. When you're guiding people, there's a level of trust, a reciprocal trust and respect. And I think that's what 
you and the rest of the guys and, and Pastor Harold and Jesus, like, like that's what they offered was this idea. Like, we're not going to force you, right? You don't want to come to Bible study today? Cool. But know that we're going to ask you every single week. You are welcomed every single week. You could tell us no 30 times, but that 31st time that you show up, open arms. And that's exactly how it was. There'd be times where I'm like, oh, no, I'm too cool. Or I got other stuff to do. I don't want to go. It's awkward. But there'd be times where I go, bro. And I've never felt so whole. Yeah. Felt so seen. And it's like, this, the same dudes I was just hooping with this, the same dudes who, you know, we went on a smoothie King run. You know what I mean? Like this, the same fellowship that has held me through such challenging times. And Again, getting back to the central topic, like that's mentorship because they taught me how to reach people, right? Yeah. By being patient, by, you know, allowing me to make mistakes, by not leading with judgment, right? The number of times y'all could have been like, all right, cool, whatever. He's just a basketball friend. But you saw something else in me that moved you to invite me to the Bible every single week. I remember at the every single hoop session, hey, yo, B, we're going to cell class. You come in? Nah, not this week. <laughs> Bro, like every single week, it was the same conversation. Every so often, like, you know, I'm going to show up. I'm going to go. And it was powerful. And it was powerful. And I think just creating space for folks to feel comfortable and confident in both receiving that mentorship and then also getting out of your own head, as you stated, and getting out of your own way to offer that mentorship, I think is, is so crucial, especially right now when you have so many young folks and young adults lost lost bro bro there's so many uh young people even in church man who are hungry for jesus and all they're getting is like a bunch of cheap relationship Mm. i don't know i don't know what it is man people think that young people can't take big church quote-unquote concepts but from what i've seen man the young people who survive people who they get the same uh, steak and potatoes from the word that everybody else gets. You know, if you uh, if if you think about it, it's like it's like a relentless love, man. That relentless love that keeps asking every single week, "Hey, you want to come?" Mm-hmm. And then when you're like, you're like, "Nah," they're like, "All right, we'll see you next time, bro." Exactly. Right. And like I remember uh, times where because because. You know, this wasn't just with you. This was like, our, bro, with that subgroup, we we did that for a long time. And so there was a lot of people who were in a very similar role. And I remember times after um, hoping where, um, like, my mom would be the ride or one of us would be the ride when we were older. And we'd take that person home and, and head straight to Bible class. And even if they were out of our way. And I think that there's a lot of people that would be like, all right, bro, well, we're going this way to Bible study. So you all have to walk, for example. And that's not love, right? Um, the, best, the best test for love is how inconvenienced are you willing to be for the sake of that other person? Right. And going back to what you were saying earlier, where a person's thinking, like, do I have the time for it? You do. You always do. Question is not, do you have time? It's just, is it a priority enough Mm. for you to make time for it to pour into others, to pour into 
another person and to give back what you have received yourself. And maybe there's people who never received it themselves. So they need to be the ones that started up. They need to be the ones who make a decision to say, you know what? It stops here. Maybe my dad wasn't around. Maybe my parents didn't show enough uh, care into our relationship. Maybe I didn't really have you to but you know what? I'm going to be that to somebody. I'm going to do what I need to do to be able to prepare myself to be able to, to be somebody to someone. It really is not that hard. It's not as hard as we think it is. It's really just about who's willing to be a little bit less comfortable for the sake of having an impact on other people. And that's what it comes down to comfort. It comes down to comfort, like how, uh, um, how much you want to dominate your time, you want to dominate your space, you want to have control over what you're able to do with your free time. And I get that we're all naturally inclined to those things, but that's not how you're going to have an impact on this world. And, and to that point, and I think you said that beautifully, like you don't have to look far to find examples of what that kind of love and service looks like, right? Like we're always pursuing Christ. We are always pursuing, you know, his walk. And obviously we're, we're all, we're all people who fall down sometimes. We all make mistakes. So no one will ever be of that level, but choosing to wake up every single day and making that choice to be slightly inconvenienced to the benefit of someone else. I mean, like, that, that's a life well lived, you know, that's a life, of, that's a life of love, you know, cause there, there's no greater inconvenience than sacrificing yourself for, for your flock, for your people. Right. And I'm not saying people have to go out and be martyrs, but I'm saying, <laughs> I'm not saying that, but what, what I am saying is that like, you, you, you can't even imagine the positive ripple effects that an hour on a Sunday could have. Right. One hour, one hour, one hour a week. I understand, you know, football season's coming back on like we're hoop heads. So basketball's around the corner. So like, I understand everybody has stuff to do. I get it. everybody has stuff to do, but in this day and age for you to, to jump on a zoom call, right. To pick up the phone, send a text, the number of people, dude, who I randomly text now, yo, bro, I love you. Just thinking about you. That's it. That's it. People need to feel seen and loved and heard takes minimal time. But if you really want to level up and show up in a way, volunteer, get involved, show up. You'd be surprised how quickly you're able to connect with people on a, on a, on a spiritual level when they see you there, choosing to be there. And um, again, you know, that, that to me is where a lot of my love and gratitude stems from in terms of like this friendship here that we have with the rest of the people named earlier and folks that I've, I've come to be very close with out here in Philly is like, they've chosen to show up for me every day, every week, every year, whatever it is, however often I see them, they choose to show up for me and vice versa, because that's what love and service to others looks like is showing up. That's facts, bro. It's showing up, being available, being willing to be inconvenienced. I actually was listening to a podcast episode earlier that was talking about, um, they were talking about that. They were talking about relationship and when you commit to a person and how a lot of times we will take ourselves out 
before we even reach out. You know, we'll just be like, oh, they're too busy. I don't want to bother them. Right. So part of, um, part of actually finding mentors and finding people to be a part of your life is you reaching out and being like, Hey, um, I see, I seen what you're doing over here. I'm just wondering if I could take an hour of your time and, uh, maybe help you out with your business or whatever the case may be just so I can be around, you know? And I think that that was one of the areas that I was lacking in when I was younger. I just wanted somebody to come up to me and be like, I see what you're doing, young man. And I want to pour into you, whatever. Like, I don't know, this guru comes out of nowhere. It's just like, sees in me something that I don't see myself. And sometimes we have to be willing to just uh, go out there and get what we need, right? Ask for what we need. Right. Um, and find it, right? And, and I believe that God can lead us to that place and to that person. We just have to be willing to take that step. You know, you said, um, you said the word flock earlier when you were talking and it reminded me of that verse that you share with me that, that, uh, uh, that came to your mind as you were watching the real origin. I share that verse and, and where your heart is with that. Yeah. So let me, uh, I have it pulled up here. Um, yeah. So the, the verse goes, uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, right? I want to double down on that. Not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, right? So this idea of, again, choosing, choosing to show up for people, choosing to, to be a part of their lives, choosing to, to volunteer, um, is what has, has guided my professional life, my, my personal life in so many ways since, you know, our days back home and um, since my transition into, you know, teaching and education um, is that understanding that this this is a calling, this is a vocation, right? And now here's going to be my, my little plug for, for teachers out there. I, I know it is a challenging time to be in education, but if you are semi-conscious and watching the news, it is the most crucial time to be in education. Not because, you know, such and such representative is passing such and such a bill. That is important. But teaching is ministry. When I first was preparing for this call, I was like trying to figure out the wording for that. And I was like, oh, teaching is a parallel. It's not. Teaching is ministry because you are centered in so many young people's lives and you have them for seven hours a day, sometimes more if you're a coach, whatever it may be, and you have such a crucial role to play and it doesn't matter the discipline, right? So I'm in the humanities, I teach English and history. It doesn't matter what the subject is, right? You have an opportunity there to, to be a role model for them. Oh yeah. And, and not to be confused with be perfect. You don't have to be perfect for them. You just have to be a role model. You have to show up. You have to show that you are trying. You are show, showing that you're caring, showing that you are loving and patient because that's what they need right now. That's, that's what we all need right now is someone who is in our corner, trying, loving, and patient with us. Um, I know for me, as an inner city youth, went to predominantly private schools, 
and now finds himself in a career that is, you know, majority, majority, majority white female, <laughs> at least, you know, when I first started my career, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine a more important job. Yeah. This is not to disrespect any other professions, right? We need our doctors, our lawyers, our engineers, our plumbers, our mechanics. We need everybody. But I could not picture a more important job for me to be in than education because I saw how hungry those kids were for guidance, for purpose. And, and again, dude, like, I'm not claiming to know it all. I'm not claiming to get it right every single time. But, you know, when people talk about that light bulb moment in the classroom, I mean, that can take many different shapes and forms, right? It could be that they, you know, ace the paper, or it could be that they solve the math equation or they figure out, you know, the scientific solution. It could also be like, okay, I understand now how to forgive. I understand now how to empathize because you've shown me empathy, right? And for me, like, that's is that not the sole purpose of education is to like build and cultivate young people who are good and do good in the world and for me i think that that is is ministry in in a powerful powerful way so i you know encourage anyone listening to this right now if you think like oh i'm not going back to school i'm not volunteer tutor get involved with with youth development right get involved with youth ministry um even like you said even if you are serving as as the person that provides the rides or provides the snacks you will never imagine you can never anticipate where those those bridges will be built until you're doing, you're in it so i mean that's my little plug for people to get into education because it is needed right now it absolutely is bro and i agree with you 110 percent like i remember um Back when I was in my my former job where I led a I was the coordinator for a youth program for uh, I want to say seven or eight years. And I worked there for 11. And. Um, bro, uh, I used to tell my staff all the time uh, that in your hands, you hold the power to change the trajectory of a young person's life. No exaggeration. Literally. No exaggeration. No exaggeration at all. It's literally like that. And what I used to do was I would, I had a whiteboard and I would uh, draw a line and I would tell them this young person life is determined to lead or statistics say it will lead to drugs or it will lead to, you know, like all the, the really ugly stuff. But also tell them, but also a lot of them, statistically speaking, will just live a life that is devoid of purpose. Mm. Will live a life where they have a broken marriage. Will lead a life uh, where they never feel like they amounted to anything. And those statistics are even higher, but they're, they're not trackable, right? Um, because we only want to track the big stuff. But I would then say, and this is where you come in, draw a dot and draw a crazy line that just went in the complete other direction. Mm. And I would tell them, this is what 
This is what you have the power to do. No exaggeration. Because when you take the time, the love, the investment to show a young person that the way that they see the world is not 100% correct. That what they think that they're limited to, they are not. That you know what? They could be more. They could they could uh, achieve more. They could put their heart towards more. And we're not going to also, by doing that, discount the disadvantages that they, they do have. Right. We're going to look at these disadvantages and be like, yeah, we see them. Hey, listen, all your counsel, like we, I would be like, hey, all the counselors here, we had to save disadvantages. Right. We did. All in different shapes and forms. And yet look at us. We're doing something. And so when you realize that you really actually have the power to completely choose the trajectory of a young person's life, that's, that is powerful, bro. That is, and I think that a lot of people don't realize that. A lot of people don't think, hey, if I, at my church, started to dedicate my Friday nights to youth ministry, even, even though I don't want to because it's my Friday night or my Saturday night or my Sunday afternoon, I want to keep it to myself. But when you then instead think about it, that there's a young person that will come to that youth group that God specifically designed in such a way that it aligns with your character, gifting, and interests. And if you do not go, they will not see themselves in any of the, the counselors or ministers or the youth pastor that is there. But if you went, they would see you, mm. see the Jesus that's in you and say, oh, you know what? Maybe this is, this place is for me. How powerful is that? Amen. That by and through your relationship, you could change a young man, a young woman's life completely. Raise the statistics of them being able to pursue Jesus in their life. Raise the statistics that they might have a successful marriage. Raise the, the statistics that they believe they can be a good father or a good mother. Raise their, 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 the amount of money they will make in a year as an adult, like it's crazy. We don't think about these things because we're like, no, I don't have that power in my hands, but we do. We do, bro. And I think that um, so many people are counting themselves out of being mentors. And I think that if more people thought this way, uh, uh, people like you and I would never have batted an eyelash at having a, a mentor. We would have all had them. Right. We would have all had, we would have been like, yeah, I got five mentors. I got, I got a mentor for this. I got a mentor for that. And you know, they believe in me and they see in me and they, 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 they encourage me. And you know what? It's really helpful. But we kind of, especially in the hood, we grow up with a chip in our, on a chip, with a chip on our shoulder because we feel like everybody's against us. And sometimes that's that, that, that feeling is real. When you have those teachers who are like, nah, these kids ain't going to amount to nothing. 
And we need less of those and we need more people who care to stop not believing themselves and step into these roles. I, I forget the exact wording, but I think the saying goes something like fear is the thief of joy. Yeah. And so many people rob themselves of the joy of mentorship and service out of fear, out of fear of inadequacy. Um, I know the, the, the term that's been popular these days, imposter syndrome, certainly something I'm from being in certain spaces. Yeah. Um, but again, it, it really takes so, I mean, again, we're talking about not like technical, you know, strategy, you know, professionals. I'm talking about like just like devotion of time and volunteering. It takes so much less than people realize, but can have so much more of an impact they can ever imagine. Um, but one quick story I want to tell about, you know, your, your, your graph analogy. That literally happened to me. So earlier I referenced not having my first black male educator until college. Not only is this man still in my life, I've kept in touch with him well beyond graduation and am now in a position where I'm back at my undergraduate school teaching in his classroom. He is my department chair. You talk about full circle. This was the first time I sat in, a, in an English classroom at the college level and read a black author. This was the first time that I had a black teacher break it down for me in that way. And I left there and I said, whatever class he's teaching, I'm signing up for. Every single semester was with him. Professor Roland Williams, every single semester. And to be in a place now on the other side of that, teaching under his guidance and support you talk about that one dot. Had I not taken that class, who knows? Maybe I still yeah. do education, but am I as on fire about it? Am I moving with such perfect purpose and joy and dedication? You know, do I still keep in touch? Do I still make a point of keeping in touch with some of my former students just to check in? Kids who graduated high school two or three years ago, like, yo, you good? You straight? Like, you eating all right? Like, oh, yeah. Coach, come on, Mr. J, leave me alone. Like, no, I'm not going to leave you alone. Like, yeah, are you solid? And you know, I'm going to tell you at the end of this call that I love you and that I yeah. care. And it's the same conversation with, with Uncle Roland, as I call him now. Yes. He'll shoot me a text, you know, give me a hard time about the Eagles beating the Giants again. <laughs> right? Like, he'll give me a hard time about that because he's like a, a through and through Philly guy, you know? And, and those are the relationships that are fostered over one moment. Bro. One singular moment. And I know that that is such a gift to him. That's so powerful, bro. Like, that is, I, I literally had goosebumps throughout that whole story because people don't realize that this is what you're missing out on. For me, bro, when I'm like literally going to a random store because I'm still in Elizabeth, right? Um, going to a random store, going to Wawa or going to uh, the mall and I see one of my previous kids working there. The fact that I see their face light up when 
when they used to come to the program, all they did was play me out and, and look at me like, yo, you're so corny. Like, get out of here. And they talked back to me and they got on my nerves sometimes. And maybe they disrespected me at times. But at the end of the day, my consistent loves, those moments we shared where I played a game with them or my staff played a game with them or we put a, together an event for them to be able to uh, uh, enjoy or we just told them we believed in them. The moments where I sat in my office and I thought, okay, what am I going to do for this summer? Right? I didn't say, oh, we're just going to play games all summer. Where I put together a curriculum for my staff to go in and teach at a summer program, bro. Right. This is not school. I didn't have to do that. But I saw, I saw it as ministry. Bro, like Steve used to tell me, he's like, bro, you run this like a church. Yeah. And I was like, I know. <laughs> we, you know, it's a government program, so I can't talk about Jesus, but you, you better believe I'm going to run it like a church. I'm going to run it like it's ministry. And what, it ha what happened, we ministered to those kids. And there were kids that later on, I led them to Jesus. Amen. You know, and God gave, gave us those opportunities, bro. And bro, you can't buy that. You can't buy that. You can't buy the fact that you leave behind a legacy in a young person's life. And that's what I want people listening to think about. Is God calling you to do something that you're resistant to because you don't want to be inconvenienced? Or scared. Or you're scared. You don't think you have something to give. And I'm here to tell you with my boy, DJ, bro, you do. You do have something to give. You have more to give than you think. And if God is stirring your heart right now and you're here 50, 50 something minutes into the podcast and you're sitting there wondering, man, I wonder if this is for me. Stop wondering. Just do it. You, you need to make that step. You need, you need to figure out a way to start connecting with some people and mentoring some people and, and, and changing some lives and stop, stop counting yourself out of something that God counted you in. Amen. Because bro, time is short. And every single day, bro, I saw so many youth, man, we lost some of them. Mm. I've seen, I've seen some of them around. Uh, uh, the same one, we offered them the same love and the streets still got them because there were, uh, maybe there were other influences in their life that were strong. Maybe, maybe we didn't try hard enough or maybe they didn't come to programming and it hurts. But what if you're the one that changes the trajectory? What if you're the one you'll never know because what you see is them going to college choosing a better life, believing in themselves. You would never know that it would have gone completely different if you didn't dedicate that one hour a week, two hours a week, or choose a job that pays a little bit less. Preaching to the choir right now. That's, that's a tasty one, bro. That's a tasty one. I mean, that's not something that a lot of people are willing to do, but hey, if that's what God is calling you to, Listen, we, we could have been anything, right? Yeah. That's the thing. We could have been anything. You said it before, you know, hoop dreams. I had them too. Some Saturday mornings, I still got them. You know what I mean? Yes. Still got them hoop. But like, we could have literally been anything despite 
you know, where we started despite the obstacles, you know, coming up yeah. in Elizabeth, Newark area. Um, but we chose to go into ministry. We were called, answered that calling and, and, and responded to that stirring of the heart to go into ministry, knowing full well we might not be rolling in dough. Right, knowing full well it might not be the glamorous, it might not be, you know, Instagrammable or whatever, but it's purpose. That's it. And that is how we communicate and show love, right? Is through service and through a degree of inconvenience. And again, I'm not up here trying to pat myself on the back too hard, but I mean, I feel fulfilled in my life, in my vocation. You know, we were talking before. Um, the call about, you know, my, my recent marriage and everything like that and how, you know, in that relationship, I've never felt more solid because I know I have someone who sees my purpose, who respects and understands my purpose and vice versa. She's also an educator, my wife. Right. So to come home and have someone in in that version of partnership and fellowship appreciate <laughs> the ministry of education is, is huge. And that fuels me, prayer fuels me time and in, in silence and meditation fuels me time in community with people like you fuels me. And then I go back and, and I go to, I go to the job, I enter my classroom and I'm joyful, bro. I'm not saying it's not a hard job. It definitely is. Yeah. But I'm so joyful to be around those kids and to share all of their little victories right? because I know how easily they can do little deaths, right? You don't know what kind of home life these kids are, are coming from. You don't know what kind of situations they're battling. I mean, with the, with the epidemic of mental health issues right now, again, I'm no clinician, but I think just just... In, in conjunction with some of those mental health services, offer Christ, offer church, offer community. Because for some of these kids, the first step is having someone see them and recognize like you, you need somebody. And I think for me, you know, putting yourself in a situation, putting yourself, I'm gonna change that. Not putting yourself in an opportunity to engage the youth is so crucial right now, despite the fear or, you know, the, the, the lack of financial appeal of it all. What matters is the purpose and the impact. <laughs> uh, man, I'm really open that this is uh, something that people are taking in. Um, even, even those people who might be thinking like, Hey, I don't know if this one is for me. Um, I don't know if that's something that I really need to be doing. I think that we all need to be giving back. I think that we all need to be, um, serving like that that scriptural thing you share uh do everything in your power man to feed the flock that is god and that takes a willingness that takes a a strength of character to be able to say i'm going to give back it's a conscious choice you don't give to others by mistake you choose to give to others and so um man i would just i, I would really love it is this as we end, you share what you feel is the most important takeaway for those people listening, for those people to uh, um, really 
just ponder and chew upon leaving this podcast episode, what would you think God wants them to truly understand? I think for me, and this is something that has become a reoccurring revelation, is you are worthy of receiving help and love and grace. And you are also built to give it as well. Regardless of your standing, you are built like it costs nothing, but changes everything. And I love you costs nothing, right? Like a 30 minute phone call costs nothing, but you can literally change, like you said, someone's day, someone's life. So understanding that you are always worthy of receiving love, mentorship and guidance, and that despite your standing, I challenge folks listening to, to, to lean into that discomfort and inconvenience and be of service also. Bro, thank you so much for sharing that, man. And thank you so much for being here today, for sharing your time with me. Um, listen, if you are you are still here, first of all, thank you for taking the time to listen to this conversation, to take some of it into your heart. I hope, I hope that if God is ministering to you and he's speaking to you regarding your time, regarding uh, just where you're going, what you're doing in your life, what... Um, how you're spending that time. And if he's really just pushing you to start investing in some young people, maybe those young people live with you and call you mom and dad. Mm. Mm. Maybe you could start there. Maybe, um, maybe the things that are taking up our time, maybe if we're spending a little bit too much time on the phone yep. or the, there's, there's a lot of dads out there who are just spending a lot of time on their gaming system. There's a lot of dads who are going out and uh, instead of being home on the only day that they have off, they're going and they're playing basketball or playing golf. Maybe you need to sacrifice a couple of those days and dedicate it to that young person at home who needs you most. And uh, for those of you that don't have children, it still applies. Man, communities would come together and start to invest in our youth, it will change everything. If our churches put their money where their mouth is and did the same, amen, and invested in their youth, churches like Pastor Sedeo's church, who do it wonderfully in the city of Elizabeth, such an example. Um, I didn't go to Pastor Sedeo's church. BJ did go to Bridge a lot and was impacted by those people. And even though I didn't go to that church, I know who they are and I know who they are because of their investment in you. And so um, church, small, big, medium size, don't matter. No church, invest in me. I hope that that's where you, I hope, I hope you choose to make the decision that we are sharing with you today to believe in what God is calling you to do. Amen. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you guys have an amazing week. And I hope to catch you in the next episode. Take it easy.